What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Good week on Show and Go with Taylor Davis, man. Today is Tuesday the 18th. Happy Tax Day. We're recording on Sunday evening. I still have to do my taxes, Taylor. I'm going to do them tonight. I know. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I'm sorry. No, it's cool, though. Like, the fact that you're going to do them, I like that. Because you know what? It's not really as hard as people think. It's just scary. Because it's like you're made out to think that the IRS is like the CIA and the MI6 combined. And, like, if you're a penny off, they're going to come get you. And in reality, they're just going to say, hey, yo, it's five bucks. Like, no big deal. But it is a terrifying thought. Um, and like, I used to do my own taxes. And so like, I would go through it and at the end I'd be like, man, I really hope I did this right. Like, yeah. But you know what? Like, if you don't do it right, they're going to send it back and be like, Hey, you owe us this. And I'll be like, okay, yeah. thanks for doing them for me. I'll send yeah. you. Money. Um, and have before- you seen them? Have you seen the, have you seen the memes? That's like, uh, it just talks about how like the U S government is like, Hey, you owe us some money, uh, based on what you made last year. And you're going to go to jail if you pay us the wrong amount, even by a penny. Uh, and if you pay us too much, we're just going to hold that for next year. Um, well, how much is that? Yeah, we're not going to tell you. Go ahead and try to figure it out. We'll let you know if you're right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you run into that problem. And my thing is like, OK, worst case scenario, I screw up royally bad. They throw me in jail for a couple of months. Like I could use the r and I mean, I, the only issue there is like you're a good looking dude. I don't know, you know? (laughs) I see it. Okay. Uh, I see where you're going with that. I appreciate that you think I would be a hot commodity, Um, but I hope I'm not in prison and I hope we're we're still talking (laughs) fall. We're going to do some uh, bounce back candidates today, getting off um, how, how, I don't know, how enjoyable a product I could be in prison. Um, we're, We're talking about guys that like, you know, I've got some injury guys on this list. I've got some poor performance guys on this list and others that are just kind of a combination of the two. And the beauty of this list that I compiled is they are a lot of guys that a, every baseball fan knows B a lot of guys that you have crossed paths with before. Yeah. Uh, and C people that I know you consider some of these guys friends on this list too. For sure. And you know, this is like, for me as a baseball fan, these are the fun lists to go through are the one we did last, the the breakout and the breakthrough, because, you know, it's almost like when playing, I tell people like, let's take a starting pitcher. For example, every starting pitcher is going to have the outing where he feels unreal. He goes five shutty. Every starting pitcher is going to have the outing where he feels awful and he can't get out of the first. I want to find out who you are as a person in those middle starts. Yeah. And like, that's this group of players. So for me in the game of baseball, don't get me wrong. I love watching show. Hey, I love watching Mike Trout. I love watching Aaron judge, but like the fun, interesting, like deep dives, the, the, the research, the, the guys you get excited about, like it's these guys. Yeah. You, you want to see them succeed and, and it's just a more fun conversation than the other way. Like, Hey, and it creates who- conversation. A hundred percent, man, because there can be some disagreement here. Is is this the new version of, you know, Garrett Cole that we're seeing? We're going to get to Cole second yep. in this list. Or, uh, you know, was this a blip and he's going to get back to this crazy form, which it looks like he has uh, in the early goings. But it's so much better than going the other way where you say, OK, this guy had a good year. Is it for real? Because then 
you you run into this issue where you're trying to diminish a guy's good performance. Right. And the fact of the matter is, if a guy performs at a high level, even if it's for a month at the major league level, they just did something that is so freaking rare. It's incredible. Aristides Aquino is a guy that like blew up for the first month of his career, right? And that's a deep cut name. A lot of people laugh at Aristides Aquino and I get it. I totally get it. Massive prospect, uber prospect. And what that guy did when he first got up to Cincinnati, hitting those seven homers, I want to say in seven games or nine games or something, you can never take that fanfare away from Aristides Aquino. And like that guy was at the top of the planet in terms of baseball, which is a really cool thing. And we are, we are, I mean, the game itself is such a, what have you done for me lately game? Yeah. Uh, that adds to it. No question. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I think the interesting aspect is the sample size. Right. And like, I, I, you know, you and me have talks about this all the time um, because I have, I have mixed opinions. I have a, a really deep sense that sample size does matter, but at the same point, I am a, one of the statements that I make all the time in just in life is like you have to you have to assume the normal you have to assume something is normal right so if all that i have is this production i don't have any reason to think that they will do something otherwise yes you know and now that's not saying that i'm not trying to predict what they'll do so i can pay them or not pay them but that's just an understanding of where this is so difficult is is you want to believe both ways. And yeah, man, I mean, okay, can I pay them if you're at a GM position? Okay, where do I put them on the lineup card if you're a manager, right? It's, yep, absolutely. Hey, this guy's really struggling. Is it time to move him down or are things going to even out? Are we going to get back to, to level water? And that's the big issue, right? And I'll, and I'll tell you, man, that's to me the biggest thing I think that managers deal with today differently like one of the bigger things is how do i rest guys yeah. you see this all over the league it's a new thing right and it is a new thing like re the thought of resting players intentionally is a rather new concept in our game and i think i'll tell you this too i think that i i've i've always mentioned that the biggest negative the biggest downside to me of replays i like replays for the state of the game i think they're good i think getting the right call is important yeah, but I think that it has really taken a big chunk of what the manager did away. Managers argued calls intentionally often. They tried. That was part of your job was understanding how to deal with umpires, when to get thrown out, when it was the right time to push the to kind of push the bar. And with replays, you really can't do that yeah. because. I, I don't understand how these guys are getting thrown out. Uh, you know, and now look, I hope to be a manager soon. So like, I hope to get thrown out at some point doing that, but I, I find it odd that they get thrown out after being proven wrong by video or by being proven wrong by something that the people on the field cannot change. Yes. They don't get to make that decision and you're getting thrown out after the fact, but that's all that long to say. I think that aspect of being a manager is gone. And I think what has entered, not because of that, but just in general, what has entered is how do I play guys? Yeah. When is the right time to sit the guy that's 0 for 20, but he's my superstar? When is the right time to send Spencer Torkelson to the minor leagues? Yeah. 
those are all really difficult conversations. And the minor league thing, you know, they've always had that conversation. Right. But I do think that just resting guys in general, figuring out ways to, you know, honestly, like a little bit of it, the the generation we're in, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want yep. guys to, to think otherwise, um, you know, get negative, get down because I'm sitting you for a game. Yeah. Also think about like maximizing the output of your lineup on a daily basis. And there are some tried and true formulas that work, I think. Like, hey, your star catcher catches a night game. You got a day game the next day. That guy's probably not behind the plate. He's either DHing or he's out. That's a unless play. unless he has the pull to ask. Yes. AKA Yadier Molina. If you're right. Yadier Molina and you want to catch a day game after a night game, you go catch a day game after a night game. The only time I'll tell you that's different and it's it's a really cool aspect of being in the major leagues is is in September. Is when you're making a push in September, everything is out the window. Yeah. Right? It is all hands on deck all the time. I hope you're ready to play. One year in September when I was with Chicago, the team, I didn't, but the team played 30 games in 31 days. Yeah. Like, and they were making a push that whole time. So, like, you are all hands on deck, all aboard. Right. And that's part of why clubhouses matter. It's for those pushes, right? It's for the times where you need the team to not give a damn about getting a hit or getting a strikeout and all they care about is getting a win because at the end of the day that makes everybody money makes everybody better and makes everybody more valuable 100 percent, man and like i i think we are entering that new frontier and i think the best example of that right where you've got all hands on deck but then you're you're mixing in that recent development of figuring out when to play guys when not to the giants won 107 games in 2021 and Buster Posey played, what, fewer than 100 games, maybe right at 100 games? Like Evan Longoria played 110. Brandon Belt played 110. Those guys were resting at the right time, but the yeah. buy-in was there. Like everybody in that clubhouse, if you were a bench player, you knew you were probably going to play 60 to 70 games that year just because everybody needed these off days because you had an older roster. So the buy-in at the quote-unquote bottom of the roster when you have these utility guys in the fourth outfielder knowing that they're going to play enough to make an impact is a huge thing on the manager. You got to make sure they know that they're important every day, even when they're not playing. I mean, no question. You, that's, I mean, you put that exactly, you said exactly what I was thinking in that Buster Posey is always going to want to win. Brandon Belt is always going to want to win. Brandon Crawford, always going to want to win. He's an older guy. He's done his time. He's made his money. He's won his rings. All he wants to do is win. That is it. Yeah. And I'm not blaming younger guys because there is a sense when you get to the big leagues of understanding that, hey, like there is some selfish in there. And I get that. This is a this is an individual sport played as a team. Like there are times to be selfish. I am not taking that away from the sport. But – I think the difficult part in what you're doing is getting the guys that might not be bought in to buy in. Like you said, it's the guys at the, it's the lower middle class, right? It's the, it's the not necessarily the bottom of the barrel. Cause I'll tell you this too, the bottom of the barrel wants to win just as bad because they're not in games and they know that they need to do everything they can to stay there, to stay on. The, I was that guy. I yeah. did anything and everything I could to try to stay on that, in that dugout as long as I could 
Um, it's that it's that middle group that might be getting frustrated that they're only playing twice a week. Yeah. It's that group. How do you keep that group moving forward? That's the thing, man. Like you mentioned your situation and, you know, I'm sure you would be the first to mention it. Like some of your job was to be a good vibes guy. Like it, it was to keep vibes up. It was to keep things fresh in the clubhouse and like, Hey, let, let's make sure everybody is like totally excited to come to the ballpark on August 15th. But yeah, yeah. I, I can totally ID like those middle guys. It's, Hey, I should be in 120 game a year guy. And I'm a 60 game a year guy. I'm pissed about it. How can you compartmentalize that pissed and, and turn it into positive energy? I don't think this guy was pissed when he was there, but I'll give you a great example. Look at 2021 Wilmer Defoe in, in Pittsburgh. Wilmer Defoe in 2021, I believe he hit 270 plus, a couple pumps, playing a few positions. So that's a guy with a little bit of service time with a with a World Series ring that probably felt like he deserved some more time on that team. And he probably did, given where they were. And so I am not um, second-guessing the playing that the Pirates put out there. All I'm saying in that instance is that is a great example of a guy as to how do I get that guy to buy in every day. Dude's a great teammate, one of my favorite guys that I've had since I've been over here. An incredible teammate. But take, take Wilmer out of the equation. Make him player A. If player A is hitting 275, playing a decent defense, and he's not playing often on a team that's not really winning, how do you get that guy to stay locked in? Yeah. He he doesn't have to not be pissed. That's not it. You can be pissed. And I had a I had a GM tell me that one time. I signed one year one of the spring trainings when I signed with Baltimore. I sat down in the office and I looked at the I looked at Brandon Hyde in the face and I said, Brandon, who who knew me? He knew me. But I said, Hyder. I uh I just want you to know, like, you know that I'm happy go lucky. I'm gonna be happy when I go to AAA, but like I want to be in the major leagues. I don't want to be in AAA. I want to be in the big leagues. And and he said to me, he goes, like, that's good. Like, we don't want you to be in the minor leagues. That we don't want you to want that. If you wanted that, I wouldn't have wanted you on my team. Yeah. So, you know, it's not that you're gonna be frustrated, it's that you need to be frustrated, but continuing moving forward with the group. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it as well. I mean, I love that perspective because you want hungry people. Like you want somebody to be pissed. And that's why leadership is not for everybody, right? Nick Saban said it best. And I, I probably won't get it 100% right. But he said, if you want to make everybody happy, you're not going to be a leader. You should sell ice cream. Like that's how leadership works. You're going to piss some people off, but you take on the burden of leading the Baltimore Orioles as best you possibly can, of leading the team that you are managing as best you possibly can. And if that means that somebody's going to be pissed at you, say la vie. You don't want them to be, you want everybody to buy in and you want everybody to love you, but that's just not going to happen. As long as you get the maximum number of people bought in, I feel like that's when you have immediate success. That is that is when you start to see success, but that's when you start to see success when it comes to playing the game and watching this team over six months, seeing what happens after going day game, night game to day game, um, you know, playing a couple travel days in a row. That's how you get that team to stay bought in, right? It, it's the same conversation that we had about the pitchers when you have a good day or a bad day. Teams are going to go through the same thing. Teams are going to have good streaks. Teams are going to have bad streaks. 
it's those teams that win those mid those margin games. Who wins the margin games? Those are the teams that win the that win the World Series. You win the extra game on the end of the series. You win the game of the doubleheader, and then you win the day game. Um, and so for that reason, you gotta find a way to get every advantage you can. Yeah, I'm you know, and, and you get advantages. You get advantages by every bit, everybody being bought in and believing what we're doing. Yeah, I, I'm going to query that. I'm going to query records on getaway days for all 30 major league teams this year, and then I'll have my World Series winner, right? Because the playoff team that has the most wins on getaway days. I, I would take that. I would take that, too. I kind of love that idea. All right. I will. Uh, I'll probably start doing it and then get scared uh, and have somebody. We'll else. go over. Yeah, maybe we'll do some splits. Maybe that'll be one of our thing. I'm in. I mean, I love doing weird splits on the Just Baseball. Yeah, me too. Hilarious. Me too. All right, let's jump into bounce backs here. Let's start in the AL East, and, and we're starting with Brandon Lau. And yeah. Lau, you say, okay, this guy's been great his entire career, right? In 840 OPS. Last year, he was banged up. He looked banged up. He hit 220 with a 690 OPS. And Lau, since his true rookie year in 19, OPS by year, 850, 916, 863, 691 last year and then now through 13 games he might be like the guy in that Rays lineup even though Wander Franco has looked great Randy Rosarena has looked great Brandon Lau 13 games he's got a 1200 OPS five homers 12 driven in are you buying this full bounce back from 28 year old Brandon Lau I'm buying the bounce back when he's on the field yeah. the question mark for me is does he stay on the field I think if he stays on the field yes I really love the bat and I'll be honest with you, I, he makes a little more sense as of, of a profile as being um, the, like, scary bat in that offense relative to Wander Franco for me. Like, yeah. Wander Franco is more like Trey Turner. Like, I see Wander Franco hitting 300 with 20. I see Brandon Lau being a guy that, like, that 250 and 35, 250 and, and maybe, you know, kind of questioning 40. Like, that's kind of who I see Brandon Lau being. And like you're gonna walk, wander to get to him, and he's gonna make you pay, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think if if he's on the field, he's going to hit. I just think it's can we keep him on the field? I'm with you. Like that is as volatile a middle infield as I think you'll find in Major League Baseball because when yeah. they are on the field, that may be a, a, a top three or four middle infield in baseball. Like Lindor and McNeil. Uh, I don't know. There are a couple others that jump to mind. I mean. Got to go Pat Pena Altuve because of Altuve. Yeah, Pena Altuve. I was going to say, shit, Correa and Altuve back then, but now Pena Altuve. Um, I mean, Correa Polanco, honestly, underrated middle infield right there. Yes, 100%. If, if Polanco yeah. can come back to where he was offensively when he first came in and got the extension, you're talking about an, a middle infield that could put up some big numbers in that park. A hundred percent. And the fact that the Rays are in that conversation solidly is really important. Yeah. And it's a testament yeah. to what Lau has done when healthy and what Wander Franco has done in an incredibly could small do. sample. So, I mean, dude, they could be dynamite and I'm with you. Lau could be as important, if not more important to that Rays lineup than Wander Franco. Next one is Garrett Cole. And Cole, yes, he led the American League in strikeouts. He threw 200 innings last year. He won 13 games. He started 33. But he allowed an AL leading 33 homers. He had a 3-5 ERA. And I think a lot of people were saying like, hey, this is the new Garrett Cole, right? Like, oh, post sticky stuff shit. That's why I was so quick to jump on the Cy Young bandwagon for him. He's finished top five a billion times. He's been a runner up twice. I think he's going to win his first Cy Young this year. 
through three starts now, 19 and a third, three earned. He's got a actually, he just started his fourth game. That's lower. He's got a sub one ERA through four starts. He looks excellent. He's four and oh. Um, you think Cole kind of captures that Cy Young magic again? You know, I think it's here's what I'll say is I'll tell you how you know that Garrett Cole is talented when we're talking about him being a bounce back after last year. Yeah. I think that um that alone in my opinion, like that defines him as being a superstar. We're taking last year where he threw, how many innings did he throw? 200. And like that to me, because Garrett Cole is today's workhorse. That is who he is. He just happens to also be extremely, extremely strikeout driven. Um, So like, not only is he throwing 200 every year, I, I, I think last year is... I don't want to say Valley of, of Garrett Cole, but I think that's the worst year of his peak. Feels like it. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're going to get – the only reason I say that is because I see Garrett Cole – I don't know if he wants to. I don't know Garrett. But, like, Garrett Cole to me seems like the guy that I could see strapping it on at, at 39 and, and, and coming out and throwing a 4-2 for a team over 200 innings. So, like – I don't want to say this is the worst Garrett Cole we're going to get because I think you could get that if he plays long enough. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he's going to have a better year than he did last year and just run – run uh, not production, but run prevention-wise, I guess. You know, because reality is you look at those numbers, the worst number was ERA. Outside of that, he had a pretty good year. Yeah. No, he had a great year. And, and like, home runs jump out, obviously, but – He's always going to allow home runs. He is been a low home run guy. He's a, he's a, he's a four seam pitcher. And that's, you know, people need to understand if you have a good four seam fastball, you're going to give up home runs. It's just the, it's just the, the fact of it. And if you look at the best four seam fastball starters that don't give up runs, the reason they don't give up runs is because they don't walk people. They give up home runs, but they don't walk people to give up two run home runs or they're really, really good at not giving up hits. But most of them, most of the guys, the Justin Verlanders, those kind of guys, if you throw a good four-seam fastball and you can prevent runs, it's not because you're not giving up homers. It's because you're not getting giving up homers with guys on base. Yeah, fair. Um, no, I mean, Verlander's a great example of that, right? Verlander last year, 175 innings a year ago. Uh, he allowed, let's see, 12 homers, but, I mean, he walked 29 guys in 175 innings. So he's right. not putting – extraneous base runners on Christian Javier. He was walking three guys per nine. Like he was not putting too many people on. He allowed 19 homers and about 150 in it. So the home right. runs were there. They were just all solo home runs for elite four. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, hey, Where do you think Jose Barrios is at in his career? This is a fascinating dude, 28 years old, already has a nine figure deal in his pocket that came after a three and a half ERA. So I was thinking, all right, like, hey, this guy's going to tick up. He's going to be high twos, maybe low threes. He busts out a 5.2 last year in 32 starts. He threw the whole year. He just sucked. So far, he doesn't look good, but he handed Tampa their first loss. Do you think, like, this is the new Barrios? Yeah. I think think there's a chance that Barrios, I don't know. Once again, don't know him, so I don't want to make these accusations, but I kind of wonder if he was a sticky guy. Um. I, uh, you know, Barrios for me was a guy that got a lot of hype coming up. Uh, good guy, I've heard. And 
decent stuff, but to me, it was never a dominant guy. He was never the ace um, that 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 he was portrayed to be. I I'll be honest with you. I kind of think he missed his mark. I think he should have stayed in Minnesota. I think that, um, you know, I I remember them listening, like them talking about when he was making his decision. And my thought was just that look. You just saw Carlos Correa go to Minnesota, love Minnesota, and set up this this Puerto Rican potential pipeline. And, like, you guys were set up. I, I don't know. I think there was a missed opportunity there um, just from the outside looking in. Yeah. But, um, you know, I yeah, I look for him to, to probably not return to a nine-figure pitcher. Yeah, he he was traded to Toronto at the deadline. And then, you know, there was that point where it's, hey, do you test the market again? Maybe go back to a place you loved or sign the extension. He opted for the extension. Worked out really well for Jose Barrios. It Those did. It's going to work He's out really well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he looks great for that. Pat Corbin looks great for that. Strasburg looks great for that right now as well. Um, yep. our next one is Kike Hernandez and, and Kike had a great first year in Boston, 134 games in 21. He had a 790 OPS. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. Postseason hero, all that stuff. 2022, 93 games. He was hampered by injury, but he hit 220 with a 630 OPS. Kike's off to a really slow start this year. I love what he can do defensively hopping between center and short. I love the clubhouse presence that he is. Do you think the bat bounces back? No. Okay. No, I think we're, I don't think we're, I mean, once again, I don't think we're going to get 220 Kike, but I think that Kike is closer to a, a Miguel Rojas than he is to an old Kike Hernandez. Interesting. I think we're looking more of like a 250, 260 hitter with a little bit of juice rather than the guy we were looking at. Do you think that's a wrong side of 30 thing? He's 31 years old now. I think there's a lot of factors that have gone into it for him. I think you add that into it. I think that there's so much uncertainty in Boston this year. I don't think that helps. I think that just everything going on with that lineup and, you know, yes, his defensive versatility is great, but you listen to guys that have done that for a while, Ben Zobrist, and he was the first to tell you that, man, it would have been easier if you would have just played one position. So I think having the versatility is great. Um, but he's probably to the point now where like he wants to lock in somewhere and, and just be able to train for that. I'm not blaming that on it, but I don't see him as as necessarily being a being a bounce back guy. I get it. I totally get it. Um, all right, next one's Gallo, and, and he's very loaded. This is a crazy loaded conversation. Joey Gallo in 2021 led baseball in walks and strikeouts and hit 38 homers. If there's anybody that embodies the new school three true outcome mold to power hitting, this is Ombre. Uh, it was a terrible stretch in New York, like terrible. And he's talked yeah. about, you know, the mental health issues that that came with that. And I feel for him so badly in that regard. He was dealing with an intercostal this year. So he looked good. He was hitting 280. He had a 1200 OPS in seven games when he went down. Um, I've seen him in Indy on the rehab appearance the past couple of days. Last couple of days, I want to say he's one for seven with six Ks. Um, I mean, like you got to ride the roller coaster with Gallo. Do you, do you think this roller coaster has more peaks left? Joey Gallo is like blackjack to me. Like 
through a two-week span, you have no idea what you're going to get. Yeah. But at the end of the year, it's going to be right around 200 with 30 homers, a lot of walks, and a lot of strikeouts. Thankfully for him, he plays a really good defense. Um, I think the Joey Gallo that you get is the Joey Gallo that you get. I don't think that there is a bounce back. I don't think there is a breakout. I don't think there is a downturn. I think this guy is built for one thing. Well, we'll say two. He can walk and he can hit homers. Like that's what he is built to do. And I'll tell you what, probably the guy that's made the most money in the history of the game as a hitting coach, Chris Bryant's dad. Not, and when I say made the most money, I just mean like his players have made the most money yeah, because Chris, sure. Bryant's, Chris so Bryant's dad was was Chris's and Joey's hitting guy. Well, w- did he have any crossover with Harper too? I know no. and Gallo are a little bit older, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but Harper was, I think, just on his own stuff. Yeah, Harper's was dad was, again, Harper's dad was like throwing him, yes. I remember like yep. bottle caps and shit, right? Yeah, I think so. Dude, I mean, something about those Vegas dads, man. You get off the strip and all of a sudden everybody knows how to hit balls. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can see that with Gallo as well. And his 162 averages are hilarious. Like over 162. If you took a full yeah. season, this guy is hitting 200 with an 42 with 38. Hitting 200 with a 325 OBP, so a 125 okay. point jump. 38 nukes, 84 driven in, walking 90 times, punching out 220. What's his OPS? 797. Is he an above average off- offensive player? Yeah, 110 OPS plus. And he's an and he's an, he's an above average defender. That's why I'll tell you, like the people that want to that want to hate on Joey Gallo, I understand it. I 100% hear you. But I also will tell you you're wrong. You're you're just wrong. Now, for you to tell me that he's a nine-figure player, I'll probably also tell you you're wrong. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, here's the thing. He's busting out a 110 OPS plus on a yearly basis. He also, because of the defense, is a three-and-a-half win player. If right. You that out. That, that's what I'm saying. If you had a three-and-a-half win player that looked a little different in terms of offensive profile, you would be ooing and eyeing over them. It's like, hey, this guy's awesome. I love having him on my team. Just a minute. What's Joey Gallo making this year? 11. A one-year $11 million deal after okay. he stopped. Okay. Tell tell uh, tell a team that they can have 12 offensive Joey Gallos. They're going to sign them. You're going to have three, 12, three-and-a-half win players at $11 million apiece. Every single general manager in baseball would take that. It's just a profile that isn't sexy and really frustrating. It's just super, super different. Baseball, not baseball. Uh, the society does not like change. It is different. Now, look, I, the one thing I will say is like he was different at the right time. Yeah. Right? Like if he does this in 1998, this does not play. No. You had to do more. He's at the right time in sports that this also works. And honestly, if he if he broke in right now, it probably also doesn't play because I feel right. like we're starting it's to going back. Yep. yep. So yeah, he jumped in it at the perfect time with the profile that he's got. 
right, next one is Yohan Moncada. And Moncada is such a weird one and somebody that I've monitored a lot. Um, Moncada, I mean, like a lot of White Sox fans would just say like, oh, it's, you know, the odd year voodoo. He's always better in odd years than he is in even years. But that's All right, Giants fans. Yeah, like that's not fair. Moncada at a 76 OPS plus last year. He hit 212, struck out 114 times in 104 games. And I mean, he he had a 630 OPS. So like Yoan Moncada, obviously the you know top prospect in baseball type appeal is gone. But do you think Moncada is a, a really valuable piece or could be a really valuable piece anymore? I think he's a valuable piece. I think what we've seen of Yoan Moncada is is a bipolar player. I think we've seen the best Yoan Moncada and the worst Yoan Moncada already. Okay. What I'll tell you about Yoan Moncada is kind of a similar story to what I said um, earlier in that, like, I'm going to take Yoan Moncada if he's on the field. Yeah. Like, you know, I think he just went down again. Like, that's my issue with Moncada is he's got to stay on the field. And, right. and, and, you know, man, I'll tell you one thing that, I hope it doesn't fly under the radar much longer um, is like big ups to whoever um, the international directors are in, in Chicago, because man, can they scout in Cuba? Yeah. Unlike any team maybe ever. Yeah. Right. Like these three guys, I don't know that there is a better general manager in the history of the game at picking Cuban players with these three players all being this good, and you add Jose Abreu to that? Yeah, I mean, Abreu was the international free agent guy out of Cuba, and he was, you know, older. But Luis Robert was a guy that they signed out of Cuba at, you know, typical age. Oscar Colas, another guy that went over to Japan, but that's another Cuban that they ID'd. And then in the trade, obviously, like, Moncada had the sex appeal. If you were going to move sale, then Moncada comes back. Um, so, you know, that one, I understand yes, money Grandal established big leaguer. I understand, but there's something to be said about that Cuban influx on one roster. And then you, I mean, like, dude, you're right. Like, there are a ton of talented Cubans on this team. You know, you think of some others, I mean, Jordan Alvarez initially signed by, uh, the Dodgers. Um, you know, who else? well, I, you know, this, but can you imagine today, today, the Dodgers lineup could also include O'Neill Cruz and Jordan Alvarez. Dude, I know. Are you like, just think about that lineup. <laughs> that fires me up. Yeah. But Wait, Mookie's well, playing center, right? Mookie. Mm, no, Mookie could still play, right? Do Jordan just DHs? Yeah, Jordan DH. Why not? Oh. Okay, sorry. No, I mean, it's incredible, man. But, like, yeah, I, I'm with you. The White Sox have done a great job IDing these Cuban guys. Um, Yoan, yes, back thing again. It's the same Luis Robert conversation. It's the same Eloy Jimenez conversation. It's these guys are yeah. so damn talented. Just stay on the field, yep. please. Uh, Lucas Giolito, what, what do you make of Giolito at this point? I think he was a sticky guy. But the other thing I'll give you is, like, Look at the minor league numbers. They weren't psycho. They weren't good. Um, the, the high school stuff was really good. I really, really liked him out of high school. Um, but he's he's just been a different pitcher in professional baseball. Uh, I think I think kind of what you get's what you're getting. Only thing that could potentially I could see is like I could see him being a James Shields plus. He's built big enough to be a guy that if he can stay healthy, 
he could give you 200 for the next few years with a four with a four. Okay. Yeah. I, the thing that worries me so much is that changeup. Like for some reason, it played really well for a three year stretch, even like upstairs, because it still moved enough. There are so many cement mixer changeups. You typically use the term cement mixer when it comes to sliders, but there are so many like nothing changeups over the heart of the plate that I feel like are just being left on a platter for guys now, which is really unlike him, I guess. Uh, I mean, here's what I'll tell you is like, I do think that one thing, if you asked any hitter about what they, I don't know that I ever faced Lucas, but I know that if you ask hitters about him and about his changeup, they all talk about like the good changeup elevated. And what I'll give you is that there's a chance that that was such a good pitch because you had never seen it before. And now we're three years into everybody seeing it, hitting coaches being able to talk, like hitting coaches talk. So like, Maybe if somebody figured out a system, maybe somebody figured out, hey, like, this is the one that we hit or something like that, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But, no, I don't I don't see him coming back to BDAs. So far, 122 four-seam fastballs thrown, opponents hitting 407 with a 600. That's not, not what you're looking for. No, opponents hitting 333 against his change, too, which is, again, getting, not- getting closer, but we're still on the wrong side of, of 300, nevertheless, 200. Yeah, man. And I mean, you look at you look at 2021 opponents hit 218 against his changeup. So, like, it, it's just a really brutal development for him. Javi Baez is somebody that gets a lot of shit. Uh, he is, you know, quickly the butt of every joke when things like, you know, him forgetting how many outs there are in Toronto happen, but you know, Javi well, um, what's got to happen for Javi to like truly bounce back. You know, as crazy as this sounds, I think a chance of there's a chance that what just happened helps Javi bounce back. Um, There might be a day that we talk about this, but I was around Javi when he probably went through um, the, the, one of the bigger things that's happened in his life, and it was a negative thing and um, nothing caused by him. But he went through this trauma, and I watched how he converted from this really talented high school player. who was in AA. He went from this uber-talented high school player to, dude, it flipped a switch. It was a different kind of drive. It was all about that event and, and figuring like doing everything for that and it was really cool to see and Javi I believe that I don't think Javi was a bad guy but he became a better person he became a better teammate he became a better friend he became a better baseball player and uh I think there's a chance that what just happened to him could do that again I think that it's a you know I, I said this around the the lunch table the other day that now that I'm a coach I think that's a really good thing for baseball what just happened because so little and you could say that that marmal did a very similar thing with tyler o'neill the difference is javi Baez is a 160 million dollar player and tyler o'neill right now is not so rarely do you see a a coach punish that person um and and i'm 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 happy for baseball sad for javi but you know you also hear the statements about like look you don't you don't learn things when you win. You learn things through these adverse times. And and this is just another opportunity for him to learn and, and grow. And I see him building off of this. So yes, I want to take Javi 
And I am admitting right now that I may be biased and this may be like Homer of me, but I'm taking Javi. Yeah, but we appreciate the inside look at that, right? Because you know you know Javi the guy, you know what motivates him internally and externally. And like this could be an internal motivator that, you know, just happened to be blown out on a national scale. Now, the follow-up that I feel like I got to ask regarding him is, do you think it's going to hurt that level of buy-in that he may be on a bad Tigers team again? No. Because I think Javi wants to win. I think that you're saying because he wants to win, do you think that affects it? I think even if Javi was a 900 OPS guy this year, they may still suck. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. And and then that's, I'm sure that's frustrating for him. I'm hoping now that he has Scott Harris there, who is a familiar voice, that he could say to him, hey, we are not great. Because I'll tell you this, when he first got to Chicago, the Cubs were not good. So Javi has been through this before. Now, the difference is the future for Chicago looked just a hair brighter than the future for Detroit looks right now. Yeah. So I think there was more of an end goal, but no, I don't think that played a role into it. Um, and I, like I said, I really hope this comes up. Because like the thing about Detroit is I don't think they're going to win the division, but they could compete. They yeah. can compete right now. Like they have enough talent to compete. And I think Javi can get that out of guys. So can Javi turn the Tigers into a uh, poor man's Baltimore this year? That's yeah. what I look for. Like, let's see him do that. Yeah. Do you think he can pull some of that out of Torque? I've got Spencer Torkelson on this list. Do, do you think yeah. Torkelson is looking like, you know, let's just go over Torque. We're here. We're here. Let's yeah. just go over Torque. And I, I, I've told you before, I love the swing. I think the swing's there. I'm going to buy in one more time. I'm going to do the insane thing, expect the same result without making any changes. But I think Torque's going to do it. I'm going to give him one more chance. Um, And, yeah, I do think Javi can get that out of him because Javi's a guy that has really struggled on the biggest level in a bigger market. So if anybody can help that guy, it's a first-rounder that struggled in a big market. Yes. I love that. And the thing is, I, I think we had a brief torque conversation on a previous episode. And I said, I kept on looking for like things that could be posing a problem. Like, does the timing look off? No. Does something in his swing look off? No, because there's nothing going on. It's a very yeah. simple swing. So like, I just chalked it up using my great baseball brain to him just not being right. And that was my only reasoning for him. That's not it, bro. That, but the, the thing is, the thing is. That is where it just happens sometimes. That is where the human element, that's where the old school baseball guy gets really mad at the analytics department. Because in baseball, there are just those days that the guy that's on the mound feels better than the guys at the plate. And you just don't understand how to quantify that because you can't. can't. It's, it's, It's so odd and so unique. But I'll also say this, and I believe this, is that we just agreed that it is rather odd and unique. That is why you follow the norm. That is why you use the analytics. Because, yes, it is unique, but you know what? It's an outlier. And an outlier in life is not our decision maker. Yep. Can I tell you why that's why I think the Astros are so freaking good? Because, like, Click obviously spearheaded this insane – 
I, I, I guess, video-oriented boom within the Astros organization, this analytics-driven approach. That was James Click's thing. But then in the big league dugout, they've got Dusty Baker, who, like, that's not his thing. His thing is, that guy might just feel better than you today. Having that balance, even though they didn't like each other, I think that balance works. You have to put all – so, like, <clears throat> the best way I can describe it is that the front office's whole goal is to put the probability of winning one more game on your plate, the probability of scoring one more run in the lineup that night. That is why they are doing everything. Will it work? Who knows, right? You have no clue because of that lineup that they gave you, they ran a thousand simulations of separate lineups. That one just happened to come out with the most runs maybe once, maybe a hundred times. Yep. But that's all you can ask for as a hitter. All you can ask for is a better opportunity to get a hit in an at-bat. You can't ask for a hit because that's not going to happen. Nobody's ever going to give you a hit. So, once we get those things, James Click, put me the best opportunity to win and let me decide how to do it based on my intuition in the game. Yes. Because this is not blackjack. This is not guaranteed numbers that we can follow with statistics. Yeah, 100%. Um, Marcus Semyon next on my list. How I played former that? teammate, former teammate. Former teammate with? Marcus Simeon. With who? Mark, uh, with the Alexandria Beatles in the Northwoods League. It's a team that doesn't even no exist way. any longer. Dead serious. Dude. Dead serious, yeah. Him back then? Because he started his career with the White Sox, right? Yeah, I played against him a bunch after that. Uh, but, yeah, I played, uh, I played with him that summer. I don't want to say who had a better summer, but I don't think it was Marcus Simeon. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, man, he was always a really, really good athlete. I mean, you saw that. that You know, one thing I've always been impressed with is, is guys that can move really well. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're the fastest or the strongest, but the ability to move efficiently. And uh, he just does a lot of stuff right. But, yeah, I set a team record that year, 69 games played. I played 69 games over, like, I don't know, 70-some days, 80 days. Yeah, the Northwoods is a grind. I'm, I'm trying to search up the 2010 Alexandria Beatles. because you were 2010 in Alexandria Beatles. Yeah, that's right. it. It's not clicking for me right now. Ah, I just got it Here. on the baseball cube. Let me see. Okay. I'll see. I'll see if I can find it. Hold on. No, I got but, it. Right uh, now, man. You got it? Davis, oh, he had you beat by 20 points in the OPS department. Oh, yes. Uh, Suck it. Davis. Taylor Davis, uh, four homers compared to one for Semyon, 34 yeah. driven in compared to 32 for Semyon. I will say you were three for five in the stolen base department. He was 19 for 24. Uh, but you hit 300 with an 806. Semyon hit 302 with an 826. You guys were right there, man. Yeah. No, dude, it was fun. He was really fun to play with, man. We were obviously we were a decent little little combo there. Yeah, it was fun. Um, sure. But no, I you know my thing with Marcus Simeon. We kind of talked about this earlier with Joey Gallo being a three and a half win player. I believe Marcus Simeon was about a three win player last year um, on a down year. Yeah. So what was he? Uh, Simeon last year. See if you can find it. Marcus Simeon a year ago was. Um, 
He was a four win player. Sorry. So <laughs> if, if, if four win is my, uh, is my Valley for this guy in my middle, for my second baseman, I am going to take that divided by two and give me that guy every year. So, um, I look for the average to tick back up. I'll tell you what I I'm looking to tick up is the defense. I think that you could see by the end of this Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, I think you could see the best second baseman in baseball defensively in Marcus Simeon. Um, and I know that he had some struggles at shortstop when he was in Oakland, but he won a gold glove a, when he went, when he went to Toronto. I mean, he, he, are, he is he, a, he is a true shortstop, a true major league shortstop playing second base for the first time in his career <clears throat> with somebody that he knows is going to be there with him for the, as long as he's there. Yeah. I look for Corey Seager and him to communicate as well as anybody in baseball. I, I, I got him being the best second baseman in baseball within the next two years. Wow. Okay. Even on this other side of 30. I don't care. Don't care. No, he's athletic enough that, I'm not basing that off of off of his off of his ability to steal bases or necessarily even his speed. Like yeah. he's not a guy that's getting G1 Bay doubles. And I don't mean that by the fact that G1 Bay is not going to hit doubles that are in the gap, but G1 Bay is also going to bloop a ball over the third baseman's head and get a double. Yeah. He's not relying on that. He's hitting the ball to the wall and and it's just not going out. No, and I mean Semyon had 25 bags last year at 31 years old probably not running a ton so yeah i mean that's that's good i yeah i got simeon i'm in on simeon okay fair all right we're gonna save the nl i think our plan is to do it next week but we may be dropping a pop-up we shall decide but we got fernando tatis jr coming back on friday really loaded conversation that follows tatis and we want to have that on a, on a timely basis so uh we will be doing that you know maybe look out for an extra episode in terms of nl bounce packs um but plan to see that early next week td you excited to talk uh juicers on friday yeah i mean i'm excited I, i've got a little bit of a, a personal experience with with uh steroids affecting my career so i think it uh it, it could be an interesting conversation and you know honestly i i would love and we've talked about this i know but like the for the listeners we want some comments we love some questions we'd love to uh Anybody that wants to try to rag on us, man, we'd love to bring you on and have you on if you want to debate us. So, uh, but really, this is an interesting conversation that we're going to have on on Friday about Fernando Tatis. Yeah, and I think that there could be questions that people have that are just personal questions and and, and mental questions. And I've been around guys that have been suspended. I have friends that have been suspended, and I also have been around opportunities where uh, were, that were taken away from me because of suspensions. So, I've got mixed emotions, and we'll uh, we'll dive into it. For sure. Um, also, some good news coming on the social media front as well. So be on the lookout for uh, for some new social accounts for Showing Yo with Taylor Davis. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later this week. This is...